This is Witness Conference 2014 with Orion Carr. His topic is Wake Up the Watchman. Uh, good morning, Witness. Um, the message we're going to go through this morning is called Wake Up the Watchman. So we're just going to begin with a word of prayer. So I just invite you to bow your heads and we're going to pray. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we just want to thank you for this day that you've given us. Uh, we just want to thank you, uh, as your word says, that it, it is of your mercies, that we are not consumed, that because your compassions fail not, that I knew every morning great is thy faithfulness. And so, Lord, we just want to thank you for that reality. Father, we know that no man or woman deserves to serve you, but um, we just want to pray that as we study your word, we just want to pray that you might speak. Um, may your son be uplifted here today. May our, our minds and our hearts be drawn to Jesus, and may we get a fresh picture of his love for us, because we know that we love him because he first loved us. And so, uh, be with us now. May your angels guide us, Father, and give us your Holy Spirit that we can understand your truth and live it out. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you to take your Bibles, and we're going to begin in the book of Isaiah chapter 21. Isaiah chapter 21, and we're going to read verses 6 to 12. And as you guys make your way there in your Bibles, I want you to hear the statement found in the book Evangelism, page 34, paragraph 4. It says, I appeal to our brethren, we're going to Isaiah 21, verses 6 to 12. But in Evangelism, page 34, paragraph 4, it says, I appeal to our brethren who have heard the message for many years, it is time to wake up the watchman. I have expended my strength and given the messages the Lord has given me. The burden of the needs of our cities has rested so heavily upon me that it has sometimes seemed that I should die. May the Lord give wisdom to our brethren that they may know how to carry forward the work in harmony with the will of the Lord. The title of the message this morning is Wake Up the Watchmen. We're in Isaiah 21, verse 6. Are we all there? Amen. Reading verse 6, Isaiah chapter 21. We're going to read from verses 6 all the way down to verse 12. Isaiah 21, verses 6 down to verse 12. The Bible says in verse 6, For thus hath the Lord said unto me, Go set a watchman, let him declare what he seeth. So the first thing we learn about a watchman is that a watchman was called to declare what he sees. Here Isaiah is in vision, and he's, God is showing him the, the impending danger which is to come upon Babylon. And here Isaiah declares himself a watchman, and he shows us that a watchman is an individual who declares what he sees. Now read verse 7 with me. Now he gives an account of what he's seen. In verse 7 it says, And he saw a chariot with a couple of horsemen, a chariot of asses, and a chariot of camels. Then the next part it says, And he hearkened diligently with much heed. So here Isaiah is now being shown Babylon and how it is to be overtaken soon and very soon. And he's now seen the, the, the enemy which is coming in onto the city. And so now he's seen that these chariots are coming, and Isaiah begins to declare, and he's taking heed, or he's becoming very aware of the enemy which is coming in to take over Babylon. Now in verse 8, I want us to see how long this watchman would stand and to take heed to make sure that the enemy wouldn't come in to the city unawares. In verse 8, are we there? Verse 8 says, and he cried, a lion, my Lord, I stand continually it says, I stand continually upon the watchtower watch in the daytime, and I am set in my ward whole 
nights. So the period of time that the watchman would stand on these walls to watch whether the enemy was coming into the city was day and night continually. So these watchmen were never to sleep, they were never to slumber, because the enemy would try to come in, but the watchman would have to declare what he sees. And here Isaiah is beginning to declare what he's seen is soon to come upon Babylon. Now read verse 9. In verse 9 it says, And behold, here cometh a chariot of men with a couple of horsemen. And he answered and said, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. Stop right there. Do we have a message in the book of Revelation about Babylon being fallen? Amen. Revelation chapter 14, reading verse uh, 8, the Bible says, And I saw another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. So here we find this watchman calling out these enemies that are coming in to take down Babylon. Now, we know we are living in a time where we are called to preach the three angels' messages. And one of those messages also involves calling Babylon is fallen. And so here you have watchmen declaring the fall of Babylon, and they are trying to make sure that everybody is aware that their enemies are soon to come in, and Babylon is soon to fall. Are we following? Now notice verse 10. Verse 10 is key. In verse 10, O my threshing and the corn of my floor, that which I have heard of the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, have I declared unto you. Have I declared unto you. Verse 11. The burden of Duma, he calleth to me out of Seir. Watchmen, listen very carefully to the call. These people are now asking the watchmen. They're asking him something. Verse 11, it says, Watchmen, what of the night? Watchmen, what of the night? Verse 12, the watchman said, The morning cometh, and also the night. If you will inquire, do what? Inquire ye, return and come. So here you have this watchman who was standing on these walls, or Isaiah envisioned in this chapter, and he's seen the fate that is soon to come upon literal Babylon. And what, he, what we find here is that, you have in the, that um, Isaiah is calling out the, the, the enemies that are trying to come in and that are going to come into Babylon. And here you also find that you have people inquiring, watchmen, what of the night, what of the night's? Now, these people are asking the question, when is day coming? Because he answers in verse 12, the watchman said what? The morning, what did verse 12 say? The morning cometh. Now, the morning is when daylight breaks or daylight comes. And so here the people are saying, when is the daytime coming? Why? Because the enemies most likely move in the day or in the night. In the night. Watch. The thief cometh. Christ is coming unawares to those who are not watching because a thief comes when? In the night. And this is very important because 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 11 says, lest Satan should get the advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices. And so here we find that one of the goals of the watchman was to make sure that everybody in the city was aware. What did I say? aware of the impoaching danger or the enemy which was coming into the city. Hence, these watchmen would be there. Now, are we in a great controversy today? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, for we wrestle not against 
flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We are in a warfare, a great controversy. And is there an enemy? We heard it this morning. Monique spoke about the accuser of the brethren. And so there's an enemy, a pot, an, um, an enemy who is soon to bring Babylon down. Babylon is going to be fallen. Babylon is fallen, is fallen. And so we find today that just as watchmen were called to stand out, and here in this case, Isaiah is one of these watchmen calling upon the fall of Babylon, calling upon everybody to become aware of what is about to take place. And we find here that in the same day we live in today, there is also a time where we must also give the message, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. And we also have a message in Revelation 18.4, come out of her, who? My people. And so what we find here is the watchman had a very important job. Now, 2 Corinthians 2.11 told us that the way that Satan gets an advantage of us is when he, we are ignorant of his devices. In other words, just the same way that a thief moves through the night because he's undetected. The same way that a sniper hides up in a building or he hides in the trees because he's undetected. Satan moves in the same way, and so the watchmen were called to call out when their enemy was what? Approaching. Ellen White writes in Great Controversy, page 516, paragraph 3, there is nothing that the great deceiver fears so much as that we shall become acquainted with his devices. So here we have, this is why God set watchmen, so that when the enemy would come, people would be aware of the devices of this enemy. And so, so today we live in a warfare, and the sermon is called Wake Up the Watchmen. Wake Up the Watchmen. Do we have an enemy trying to come into the church? Yes. Do we have an enemy trying to take down God's people? Yes. Do we have an enemy individually, an, an enemy that comes to us individually and tries to take us out? Yes. But has God set watchmen in the church today? Yes. Isaiah chapter 58, verse 1, cry aloud. Or verse 2, spare not. So here we find that watchmen are to number one, point out the impending danger that is coming upon the city. But they were also to find out the time of the night. Do you remember what verse, 12, uh, verse 11 said? Verse 11 said, watchmen, what of the Nights. Do you know there are individuals in this world today that are asking the question, where are we in the period of Earth's history? What time of the great controversy are we in? What time of the night? The watchmen, God's people, are to be a light as Daniel was in Babylon. They were asking, we have a dream we don't know. Joseph, we have a dream we don't know. God's people today are to be as watchmen, pointing out the dangers that are trying to take out God's people, but also trying to tell the world the time that we are living in. Now, go to the book of Isaiah 56. Go forward to Isaiah chapter 56. We're going to read verse 10. Isaiah 56, we're going to read verse 10. Because something happened in Israel's history that is also happening today. So the first thing we find is that the watchmen are called to declare what they see not what the people want to hear, right? The watchman must declare what he sees, not just what the people want to hear. 
Could you imagine a watchman standing on a tower, and there are, there are armies coming through, and because they just didn't want to discomfort people in the city, they just didn't say anything. They didn't say anything. And what happens? The enemy come in, comes in unawares, and Satan gets the advantage. And so God's people are called to be watchmen. But notice what happened in verse 10 of Isaiah chapter 56 in Israel's history. Are we there? Isaiah 56 verse 10. Notice what happens sometimes to these watchmen who are to call out the enemy. It says in verse 10, his watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant and are all as dumb dogs. They cannot bark. Notice what it says next. What are they doing? Sleeping, loving to, lying down and loving to do what? Slumber. But remember, when we read Isaiah 21, the watchman, Isaiah 21, verse 8 says, I stand continually upon the watchtower for how long? In the daytime and in the night. So if it's a day and night shift, is there any time to sleep? No. Because who's coming in? The enemy. And so in, in chapter 56, we find watchmen are not awake. What are they doing? They're sleeping. And so as a result of them sleeping, the enemy is able to what? Come in. What are they also here? They are what? Blind. Do we notice that in the message of Laodicea? Revelation chapter 3, listen to this, verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Verse 15 of Revelation 3. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou were cold or hot. Verse 16. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will do what? Spew you out of my mouth. Now listen to verse 17 of Revelation 3. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increase with goods, and have need of nothing, but listen carefully, but knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind. Blind. The Laodicean church, blind. The watchmen on the walls of Zion, the watchmen in the Old Testament, they were never to be called blind. They were never to be called sleeping. They were never to be called slumbering. Amen? Because what would happen if they slumber? Who comes in? The enemy. So our question today is, where are we as God's people, as watchmen? Where are we as watchmen? Isaiah 56 tells us that there is a time where these watchmen were sleeping now. Not only does the Bible liken his people to watchmen, but also to soldiers. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. Go there with me. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. These watchmen, these soldiers, were, would have to stand on these walls. But notice what the New Testament tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Say amen when you're there. Amen. You know, we're told to study to show yourself approved unto God, workmen and workwomen that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly divining the words of truth. Do we want to become a reflector of just another preacher's thoughts? No. We want to know what the Bible says for ourselves. So we're studying today, amen? Amen. We're in the book of 2 Timothy 2. Are you there? 
Notice what the Bible says there. Read verse uh, t- 3 with me. Thou, therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of who? Jesus Christ. So God's people are likened unto what? Soldiers, watchmen, staying alert, keeping out for the enemy. Read verse 4. Are we there? No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Why? That he may do what? Please who? Him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. So has God called his people to be soldiers? Yes. Has God called his people to be watchmen? Yes. But has God called these watchmen, these soldiers, to sleep? No. Listen to the statement. Testimony to the Church, Volume 5, page 394, paragraph 1. The Church of Christ may be fitly compared to an army. The life of every soldier is one of toil, hardship, and danger. On every hand are vigilant foes led on by the prince of, pow- of the powers of darkness, who, listen carefully, who never slumbers and never deserts his post. According to that quote, does Satan ever desert his post? No. So what would happen if God's watchmen deserted their post? Game over. Deserted his post. Whenever a Christian is off his guard, this powerful adversary makes a sudden and violent attack. Brothers and sisters, I can tell you, a lot of us in this room today would have been victims of such an attack this week. Because this weekend is going to be a powerful weekend. But because the devil knows this, he seeks to take everyone out. And it says here, unless the members of the church are active and vigilant, they will, become, they will be overcome by his devices. Paragraph 2. What if half the soldiers of an army were idling or asleep when ordered to be on duty? The result would be defeat, captivity, or death. Should any escape from the hands of the enemy, would they be thought worthy of a reward? No. They would speedily receive the sentence of death. And is the church of Christ careless or unfaithful? Far more important consequences are involved in the church of Christ. A sleeping army, listen carefully, of Christian soldiers, what could be more terrible? What advance could be made against the world who are under the control of the prince of darkness, those who stand back indifferently in the day of battle as though they had no interest and felt no responsibility as to the issue of the contest might better change their course or leave the ranks at once? The master calls for gospel workers who will respond. Rise up. All who enter the army are not to be generals, captains, sergeants, or even corporals. All have not the care and responsibility of leaders. There is hard work of other kinds to be done. Some must dig trenches and build fortifications. Some are to stand as sentinels or watchmen. Some are to carry messages. While there are but few officers, it requires many soldiers to form the rank and file of the army. But yet its success depends upon the fidelity of every soldier. One man's cowardice or treachery may bring disaster upon the entire army. So although one man cannot fill the whole role and you need many men, 
every single person in that army is required for that battle. And so what we find here is that the question we must ask ourselves, are we blind? Are we watchmen? Are we awake? Are we awake? Are we watchmen on the walls? Are we watching where the enemy is trying to come in? Are we seeking to look to Christ? Now, brothers and sisters, this obviously was in the Old Testament, right? The watchmen. Go to the book of Isaiah chapter 52. Isaiah 52. Now we find how this message of the watchmen came through even into the New Testament. Isaiah 52, we'll begin there, and then we'll transition to the book of Romans. Isaiah 52. Isaiah 52. A sleeping army of Christian soldiers, what could be worse? Could you imagine that? The enemy is ready to come in. The snipers, the guys who are watching on the, on, on, the edge, on the edge of your territory, they fall asleep. What does that mean to us today? What if God's preachers, what if God's pastors, what if God's lay people fall asleep? They see in, the enemy come into the church. They see the enemy come through and try to bring his devices and break down God's people, and they say nothing. They see friends going astray, and they say nothing. They see their, their co-workers at work, their university friends, going down the path to perdition, and we say nothing. As, as Sister Monique said this morning, we must make sure that the mission field we're in is the mission field God has called us to be in, whether that's at home or whether that's abroad. But in Isaiah 52, we're studying Isaiah 52. Are you there? Notice what we find here. You're going to listen to the language. Isaiah 52, verse 7, the Bible says, How beautiful upon the mountain are the what? Feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth what? Peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto God, thy God reigneth. Now, for, for many of us, we can now start to hear the language that is used in this verse in the New Testament. Now, read verse 9 with me. Of verse 8, thy what? Watchmen. So in verse 8, you have these, these, these people bringing a message of glad tidings, of good tidings, of peace. How beautiful are the feet of these people that bring good tidings. And in verse 8, they are called what? Watchmen that shall lift up their voice. With the voice together shall they sing, for they shall see eye to eye. When the Lord shall bring again Zion... So here in Isaiah, these watchmen not only would carry out the, the, the task of making sure that the enemy could not come in unawares, they would not only make, it, make sure that the whole city knew the time of the night, but there were also to be individuals that brought a message of what? Good tidings. Now go to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, reading verse 13. Brothers and sisters, when you read the book Evangelism, page 363, we're going to Romans 10, reading verses 13 to 15. But Ellen White writes in, Romans, uh, in Evangelism 363 that in place of so much sermonizing, we should, have, we should come together and have a more close searching of the Scriptures, opening the Scriptures text by text, to, text by text to search out the Scriptures which lay the foundation of our eternal truth. So instead of us sermonizing and sermonizing, we are what? Studying. Because we're told in Education, page 17, paragraph 3, that it is the work of true education to train the youth and our people to be thinkers and not mere reflectors of other men's thoughts. 
Not just repeating what our favorite pastor said. Not just repeating what our favorite evangelist says, but repeating by what who says? God says. So this is why we must study text my text to know what we believe. Amen? Amen. Romans chapter 10, are we there? So we just saw that the watchmen are likened unto men that carry a message of good tidings and of peace. And, and Isaiah said, how beautiful are the feet of these watchmen. Now notice Romans 10, are we there? Verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not what? Believed. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So Paul, in, this, in, this, or in the book of Romans, is getting very practical. He's saying, unless we go out and carry this message, how are they going to hear? So these watchmen in the New Testament are individuals that have been given this role to take the gospel to, gospel to the world. Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached where? In all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then what comes? The end comes. Second Peter 3, 12, hastening, hastening unto the coming of Christ. So God has put it into the hands of his watchmen to carry this gospel message of good tidings. Now, notice verse 15, uh, 16. Actually, we're in verse 15. And how shall they preach except they be sent? Now listen to the language. As it is written, how what? Beautiful. Isn't that what we read in Isaiah? Exactly. How beautiful upon the mountain are the feet of them that preach what? The Gospel of peace and what? Bring glad tidings of what? Good things. Is this the same call that God gave the watchman in Isaiah 52? That's exactly what we read, right? Speaking of the watchman, the same message. And so in the New Testament, those who carry forth the gospel are also called what? What are they called from this verse? Or from what we know, from what we read in Isaiah, Isaiah said that these people are to carry glad tidings, and they were called what? Watchmen. Then we come to Romans 10, and we find these same individuals carrying good tidings are also carrying the gospel. But in the Old Testament, who was it that carried the message of good tidings? The watchmen. So in the New Testament, we find the same call given to those who carry the gospel. They are also to be what? Watchmen. Soldiers. Standing on the walls of Zion, calling out the enemy when the enemy tries to come in. Now, what we find here is that the watchmen have been given a very serious role, amen? Have the watchmen been given a very solemn role? They have been. And sometimes when we think about the call for a speedy work, we often think about it in relation to ourselves. What's the gospel going to do for us? When the gospel goes, we're going to be the ones walking on the streets of gold. When the gospel goes, finally all suffering is over. Now, is there anything wrong with desiring the end of suffering, sorrow, and death? No. Matter of fact, go with me to the book of Revelation 21. I want you to see something. Revelation 21. Revelation 21. I want you to see what is the result. What is the end result of all of this watchmen business, where does it all lead to once the end comes? Revelation 21, we're going to read verse 4. Revelation 21, reading verse 4. Say amen when you're there. 
Amen. So yes, we know that in the Old Testament, these watchmen were to watch out to see whether the enemy would come into the city. They would also make people aware of what time of the night it was so that they could prepare for safety. And these watchmen were not to what? Sleep. Because remember, Isaiah 21, verse 8, I stand upon the watchtower in the daytime, and I am set in my ward whole nights. So these watchmen would have to be day, night, day, night. They must. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't get physical sleep. But what I'm saying is that our awareness must be sharp and on point to be mindful of where the enemy is coming in. And so what we found is that these watchmen would also carry a message of good tidings. And then we went to Romans 10, and we found that these also in the New Testament who carry the message of good tidings also carry the gospel, which is what we have been called to carry. And we found that as we as, we as faithful sentinels and faithful watchmen carry this gospel to the world, when we do our faithful work as watchmen, what comes? The end. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be what? Preached where? In all the world as a witness unto all nations. And what comes? The end. So when the watchmen carry forth the gospel, the end comes. Amen? Now, notice Revelation 21. Notice what else comes as a result of us doing our work as watchmen. Are we there? Verse 4. This is after the thousand, during the time after the thousand years when the holy city comes down. And this is long after the end of the world. Notice verse 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Amen? So does the Bible paint a wonderful picture post-second coming, after the end of the world? It does. The end of suffering, sorrow, sin, and death. But what I wanted us to see and why I built the foundations of the watchmen was because many a time when we understand about a call for a speedy work, there is nothing wrong with thinking about the lost souls out there. There's nothing wrong with thinking about all the individuals, as we heard this morning, that are brokenhearted, all those people that are thinking of committing suicide. There is nothing wrong with thinking about how a call for a speedy work helps us. But what about God? Many times when we think about ending ending this work, we think, which is nothing wrong with that, we think primarily about how it it benefits us. What does it do for us? No more suffering, no more sorrow, no more death. There's nothing wrong with that. But what I want us to understand this morning is could there be someone else we have not considered when we think about finishing the work? Go to Judges chapter 10. Judges chapter 10. Judges chapter 10. There's two elements I want us to take from today. As watchmen, have we been called as watchmen? Amen? Have we, been, have we been called to be watchmen? Amen. And as watchmen, we are carrying the everlasting gospel. So when we carry this to the world, what comes? The end. And as a result of the end coming, there was also no more what? It is the end of suffering, sorrow, death, tears toward for us, Right? Now, that's the human benefits that we find. Death, because death, tears, sorrow, that's usually what we think of for us. But notice Judges chapter 10. Are we there? Judges 10 verse 16. 
The Bible says, and they put away the strange gods from among them and served the Lord. And listen carefully. And his soul was what? Grieved for the misery of Israel. Whose soul? God's. So when Israel went through misery, who went through it too? God. Are you following? Are you, are you understanding where we're, where, where we're going with this? Sometimes when we think about suffering finishing, we think about our suffering. We think about the suffering of my suffering, my death, the people I've lost. But what about God? Judges 10 says when Israel went through misery, who grieved too? Who grieved with, 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 with Israel? God did. Go to Isaiah 63. Isaiah 63 I told you, brothers and sisters, we're going to study. We're going to study. 1 Peter 3.15 tells us we're going to Isaiah 63. But 1 Peter 3.15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And be ye ready always, sometimes, when we can call our pastor. When we have to, not that there's anything wrong, but we must make effort ourselves. So we must be ready, and this is why we must not just sermonize, but we must what? Study. We've come to a time where so many times of our church members, all they can give is what their pastor says. Now, is that to dog and to, and, and to put people? No, what, what we're trying to understand is that we must reason. Because brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter how long you've been studying the Bible, you're always going to learn something. You're always going to learn something. So no one will ever get to the point where they, they can say, I know it all. I have studied it all. I have read the Bible for 30, 40, 50 years. But the question is, what are we doing with that knowledge? What do we find here? Isaiah 63, are we there? Now we're looking at the second element to the call for a speedy work. We know that we must wake up the watchmen because there is a world dying. And God has put it in our hands to make sure that the gospel goes to the world, that the end of suffering, sorrow, and death can come, not just for humans. But we're also finding that as man goes through misery, who also goes through misery too? God. So when man's misery ends, guess whose else misery ends? God's. Read Isaiah 63, are we there? Verse 9. Verse, read from verse 8. For he said, surely they are my people, children that will not lie. So he was their savior. In all their affliction, what does it say? He was afflicted. So in the affliction and the suffering and the pain of man, again, what does the Bible say about who else is affected? God. So when man's suffering ends, whose who's suffering ends too? God's. But you, what I'm trying to get us to understand is that so many times when we think about finishing the work, all we can be thinking about is how it benefits us. What is it going to do for me? What's it going to do for my benefits? But brothers and sisters, what about God? What about the heart of God? What about God's heart? Let us look at one more example of this. Go to Genesis chapter 6. We will read verses 5 and 6. Genesis 6, reading verses 5 and 6. This is our final passage we're going to be leading to. Genesis chapter 6, reading verses 5 to 6. His soul was grieved for the misery of Israel. 
in all their affliction, he was afflicted. Let us read Genesis 6, reading verses 5 and verse 6. Say amen when you're there. Amen. We're trying to establish that another element to waking up the watchmen in God's church is not just about us. One of the main focuses, the main focus of this wake-up call is, yes, to end human suffering, yes, to bring about the end of death and of sorrow and of sin, but brothers and sisters, one of the greatest joys that this will bring is also joy to the heart of God. Genesis 6, are we there? What's happening here? God is about to send what on the earth? What's he about to send on the earth in Genesis chapter 6? A flood, right? Bible students, we should know this. A flood. God is about to send a flood on the earth, not according to the way that the movie tells us it was going to come. Don't, don't, don't follow what, the, what entertainment tells us. Read what the Bible says. Brother Justin said it last night. This is what we need. Not Hollywood to tell us how the story of Noah came about. Now, and by the way, you can get a book on it in the, in the booth room. Genesis chapter 6, are we there? Verse 5. Notice God. What are the first two words in verse 5? And who saw? God saw that the wickedness of man was great upon what? The earth. So wickedness was great on the earth. And that, the, that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was how? Only evil, how? Continually. And notice what happens in verse 6. Notice how God again responds to wickedness, to suffering, to sin, and to death. Notice what happens in verse 6. Are we there? And it repented the Lord that he made man on the earth. And what does it say? And it grieved them. Stop there. Again, man goes through misery, God is affected. Man goes through affliction, God is affected. Sinners and wicked people do wicked and gross, grotesque things, and God is grieved. What I'm trying to share with us this morning is that in this call for waking up the watchmen, sometimes we forget about God. Many times we think about how is it going to benefit us, but God is saying that one of the greatest lessons we must learn about this call is that at the end of the great controversy, it is not just suffering and sorrow ends for us, but for God. Are you following? Let me read this quotation. Amazing Grace, page 189, paragraph 5. Not us. I want you to listen carefully to this. Listen carefully. Listen carefully to this quotation. Remember, we saw that when this great controversy is over, suffering and sin and death finishes for who? For, for, for us. But then we, 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 we are now finding that when suffering and sorrow and sin finishes for us, it also finishes for who? For God. Listen to this quotation. Amazing Grace, page 189, paragraph 5. Not a sigh is breathed, not a pain felt, nor, not a grief pierces the soul, but the throb vibrates to the Father's heart. Let me read that again. I think some of us missed that. Not a sigh. Listen carefully. Think about it. Think about that. How many, how many people on planet Earth today? Average. Seven billion, right? Seven billion. Okay, let's take seven. And we saw that whenever man on Earth, think about it, every individual, seven billion people, 
going through pain, going through suffering, going through sorrow, going through death, going through tears, going through heartache, going through all these problems. Think about, think about one person. Times that by seven billion, multiply that, add it, to, add it together, and put it on the heart of God. Think, now, think about that. On the heart of God. Do you see what I mean when we talk about a speedy work? It's not just about us. It involves us, but it is also the end of suffering. And Let me read that quote again, because I think some of you missed it. Amazing Grace, page 189, paragraph 5. Listen. Think about that. Think about it. Okay, picture this. Picture every individual person on earth sighing, breathing, hurting, crying. Add that together on a second by second by second by second basis and put that on the heart of God every day. That's a lot of pain. So what is the pain of man in relation to the pain of God? What do we go through that God doesn't go through? Brothers and sisters, that's comfort. To know that one person that is going through something, God is going through 8 billion times over that for us. That's hope. Listen to it again. Not a sigh is breathed, not a pain felt, not a grief pierces the soul, but listen, every throb of pain ever felt by every individual on earth hits the heart of God. So when we talk about the gospel work, it's not just about us, brothers and sisters. It's about God. It's about the heart of Jesus. Every time we have fallen and it takes us to come back, every pang on God's heart. Listen to this quote as I finish. Education, page 263, paragraph 2. Listen carefully, brothers and sisters. Those who think of the result of hastening or hindering the gospel, th think of it in relation to themselves and to the world. Few, what did it say? F how much is few? Majority? It's less. Few, few, th give th a few think, few think of its relation to God. Few give thought to the suffering, listen carefully, that sin has caused our Creator. All heaven suffered in Christ's agony, but listen carefully, but that suffering did not end or begin with His manifestation in humanity. Let me put it more plain. When Jesus died on the cross, Many times when we think about Jesus suffering for us, all we think about is that 33 years of his life and death. But did you know ever since sin has entered this world, it has broken the heart of God? Are you following? Many times when we think about what God has done for us, we only think of Gethsemane, or from, from um, Bethlehem to Gethsemane to Calvary to the resurrection, and that was it. That wasn't it. The suffering began with sin, and it will end with sin. So what am I saying? I'm saying that the heart of God has gone through so much more than we ever know. We talk about Calvary and Gethsemane, which are beautiful experiences. Amen? But brother, think about that. Ever since sin came into the picture, it has been breaking and aching the heart of God.
The cross is a revelation to our dull senses of the pain that from its very inception, what did I just say? The very what? What does that mean? The very birth of sin? From the very beginning of sin, many of us, the cross is a revelation to our dull senses of the pain that from its very birth, sin has brought to the heart of God. Listen, every departure from the right, every deed of cruelty, every failure of humanity to reach his ideal brings grief to him. Do you know, every single time we slip up, Every single time we do something God has not called us to do, do you know that brings pain to the heart of God? And think of that 7 billion, 8 billion. All at once, second by second, continually, because as long as sin will last, the pain that is in God's heart will last. So, but as long as sin comes to an end, guess what else comes to an end? The pain of God. Our world is a vast laser house, a scene of misery that we dare not even allow our thoughts to dwell upon. If we realized it as it is, the burden would be too terrible. Yet God, listen carefully, yet God feels it all. God feels it all. In order to destroy sin and its results, he gave his best beloved and he has put it in our power through cooperation with him to bring this scene of misery to an end. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. I hope that we're grasping what we just read. Like, think about that. You know, forget about Facebook in your mind. Put Twitter aside. Think about what we're just hearing. The Bible, we began this study by a scene that Isaiah showed that there were men who were called watchmen. And these watchmen would have to watch out for the enemies coming into the city. They would have to watch what time of the night it was to make sure that the people in the city were prepared for the attacks of the enemy which were going to try to come into that city. And so we saw that just as Isaiah was a watchman in those days, in the time of Babylon's fall, we also are called as watchmen in the time of spiritual Babylon's fall. And then we saw that watchmen sometimes fall asleep, and they love to what? Sleep and slumber. And so our question is, is, do we love to sleep? Are we going into the mission fields? Are we making sure that we are spiritual giants heading into that promised land, or are we sleeping? Are we still doing the ways of the world? Then we found that in the the Old Testament, that people that were carrying these tidings, they were called watchmen. Then in Romans 10, we found that these, these people in the New Testament, who were also called to carry this message, were carrying the gospel. And then as a result of them doing their work and carrying the gospel, what was going to come? The end of what? Suffering, sorrow, and sin. But then we saw that many times when we think about finishing the work and taking the work home, that we think about it in relation to who? Ourselves. And we saw that whenever, God, whenever God's people were going through misery, who was in misery? He was. Whenever God's people were in what? Affliction, who was in affliction? 
he was in affliction. And whenever even the wicked was sinning with a high hand, who was grieving? God was grieving. And then we found an amazing grace, 189 paragraph 5, that not a sigh is breathed, not a pain is felt, not a grief pierces the soul, but every throb vibrates to the Father's heart. And so we saw that on an individual level, you take that pain of one person every day, times it by 7 billion, and put it on the heart of God. And we found that that pain does not just hap- did not just happen at Calvary, but it happened when sin what? Began. And so what I wanted to close on is this, is that the call for a speedy work, the call for us to wake up the watchmen, preachers, singers, evangelists, people that will be Christians in the home, parents, children like Christ, all these calls to the mission field and called to be watchmen, yes, they will help to bring the gospel to the world and bring an end of suffering, sorrow, and sin for us. But also, it will bring the end of suffering, sorrow, and sin for who? For who? For God. And that's what I wanted to finish on, that the focus of this waking up the watchmen, yes, it's about finishing the work. Amen? Yes, it's about and reaching our people in our neighborhoods. Yes, it's about reaching those people at our workplace. But our primary, one of the great focuses, one of the, the, the great focus that we miss is the heart of God. When sin is over and the gospel has gone to the world, the pain, the suffering ends for us, praise God, and it ends for who? God. It ends for God. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you for this time. We thank you that you've called us to, uh, at this time to wake up the watchmen. We just want to pray, Lord, that we might not only keep our neighbors, those around us in mind, but that we must also keep in mind that when this game is over, The pain is not only over for us, but it is over for you. Wake us up. Rise us up, Father. We pray in the name of Jesus. Let all of God's soldiers in his army say, Amen. This has been 3ABN On The Road. If you have any questions or comments in relation to today's program, you can call 3ABN Australia within Australia on 02-4973-3456 or from outside of Australia on country code 612-4973-3456. Our email address is radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au.
there's more that rises in the morning than the sun, more that shines in the night than just the moon. There's more than just this fire here that keeps me warm in a shelter that is larger than this room. And there's a loyalty that's deeper than mere sentiment, and a music higher than the songs that I can sing. Stuff of earth competes for the allegiance only to the giver of all good things. So if I stand, let me stand on the promise that you will pull me through. And if I can't, let me fall on the grace that first brought me to you. And if I sing, let me sing. The joy that has borne in me these songs, and if I weep, let it be as a girl who is longing for her home. There's more that dances on the prairies than the wind, more that pulses in the ocean than the tide. There's a love that is fiercer than the love between friends, more gentle than a mother's when a baby's at her side. There's a loyalty that's deeper than mere sentiment, and a music higher than the songs that I can sing. The stuff of earth competes for the allegiance I only to the giver of all good things. So if I stand. Stand on the promise that you will pull me through. And if I can't, let me fall on the grace that first brought me to you. And if I sing, let me sing for the joy that has borne in me these songs. And if I weep, let it be. Sandra Enterman, If I Stand, and before that, Henry Higgins played Does Jesus Care? 